Welcome to A Slice of Orange, a podcast on North Orange County politics. I'm Jody Balma, and today we're going to talk about the ballot. Uh, there are 12 statewide propositions on the ballot, and I'm going to break them into three shows um, based on how complicated the propositions are. So we're going to start off easy, and by that I mean straightforward. There's not a ton of money being spent trying to convince voters to support or oppose these measures. So you, the voter, can just decide if you want to vote yes or no. Um, but let's start with some background on what the propositions are. California's one of 26 states in the country that has these tools of direct democracy that let you, the voter, make decisions. Um, some states have an initiative that lets voters put, them, put measures on the ballot um, or referendums, which allow voters to basically veto what the legislature passes or uh, amendment to the state constitution that voters can approve after the legislature proposes it. And we have all three of those on the ballot this year. So direct, direct democracy is a double-edged sword. It means that you get the power to decide on laws in your state, which is great. Um, the downside is everyone else does too, which means you aren't always going to agree with the outcome. The tricky part is that a lot of people who are voting don't do a lot of research, and that empowers all this spending on ads to convince voters one way or another. So we're bombarded with millions and millions of dollars of advertising to try to con convince us to vote one way or the other, and it ends up being confusing. The bad thing about initiatives is that they're really hard to change. Even when most of us realize that there are problems or regret something that we thought was a good idea and then realized had unintended consequences, that's because to change an initiative, you have to pass another initiative, which means the people who like the problems are going to try to keep it that way. And we end up re-legislating over and over and over on the ballot. So be careful with your vote. Um, if you don't want to research it, if this all sounds like too much work, leave it blank. Um, or in most cases, you can just vote no, since with initiatives, almost always a no vote leaves things the same. But check just in case. Um, where do you get non-biased information on ballot measures? How do you cut through all of the spending? Well, the California Legislative Analyst Office does an amazing job. Um, there are charts and graphs, a ton of research that goes into their analysis. It's always my first stop. Uh, LAO.ca.gov for the Legislative Analyst Office. Um, the newspapers are incredible resources. They have editorials and articles about these propositions. Uh, you have to understand the bias of these papers on the editorial pages is pretty clear. Um, the Orange County Register is going to have a very different perspective than the Los Angeles Times. But as long as you read the justification for their position, um, those editorial boards put a lot of time and energy into making those recommendations. And they can often um, give you a lot of perspective uh, and information before you cast a ballot. Um, these days, we've got a website called Ballotpedia, which brings a lot of that together in one place with the source material linked. Um, much like Wikipedia, you have to follow the sources, but it's really nice to have it all in one place. Uh, and Ballotpedia... Uh, curates the financial information, the editorials, the background, um, newspaper articles are linked, and it really is important to see how much money is being spent uh, and by whom. These first four initiatives that we're going to talk about um, don't have a lot of money behind them, which is one of the reasons uh, they're pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to cut through when we're talking about them. 
but in later shows, um, there's a lot of money involved. So we're going to cover Prop 14 uh, on stem cell research, 17 and 18, which both deal with who gets to vote, and Prop 24, which is about protecting personal information as consumers. Uh, you probably aren't seeing a lot of ads on these. It'd be easy to forget they're even on the ballot. Uh, the other eight we're going to cover in the next two shows have about $300 million being spent trying to get your vote. So uh, it really is important to be informed so your vote isn't for sale to the highest bidder, uh, which it sometimes seems these propositions are uh, just on the ballot to spend money. So let's get started. Prop 14, stem cell research bond. Uh, if this seems familiar to you, it is. Uh, back in 2004, voters approved Prop 71, which issued $3 billion for stem cell research grants and made the state of California an investor, which also means we're entitled to a share of the profits from any license or inventions that come from those grants. Uh, a guy named Robert Klein uh, was a supporter of Prop 71, and he's back supporting this one with $6 million of his own money to try to get it passed. Uh, there's essentially no money on the other side. Now, why is it back? Because they successfully issued the $3 billion in grants, and they are looking for more. Uh, there's more research to be done in stem cell research, uh, and so they're looking for $5.5 billion to issue more grants. Uh, there's a state agency that has detailed reports on who receives the grants if you want to get into the details and see the receipts for that money. There's a few minor changes to the oversight. It increases training for STEM students to learn about stem cell research while in school. There's a new group that would improve access to treatments and cures as part of that bureaucracy. But this is pretty straightforward. Um, basically, if you want to authorize the state to borrow money to fund stem cell research, you vote for Prop 14. And if you don't, you vote no. Pretty simple. Prop 17 and 18 both deal with who gets to vote. So again, pretty straightforward. Prop 17 deals with parole suffrage. Each state can set their own rules on voting rights for felony convictions. And as you might imagine, there are very different approaches from state to state. Uh, Maine and Vermont never restrict voting rights. Even if you're in prison serving your felony sentence, you still get to vote by mail, of course. Uh, there are other states like Iowa, Kentucky, and Virginia where voting rights are never restored by law. Every once in a while, a governor might issue an executive order for the formerly incarcerated who have completed all the terms of their sentence and they get to vote. Um, but otherwise, uh, those three states, you never get to vote again. Most of the states are in between those two extremes. 16 states allow felons to regain their right to vote upon release from prison. California uh, is one of three states that limits those voting rights um, for those on parole as well. So Prop 17 would change that. People would still have to register. They'd still have to meet all the other requirements of residency and citizenship to be eligible. But uh, once you complete your sentence uh, in, in prison, you would then get the right to vote back. Um, this is a, an interesting one when you look at some of the editorial boards. Um, Orange County Register, I've got to say, surprised me. Uh, here's what they wrote. We agree with the proponents of Prop 17, which includes the ACLU and the League of Women Voters, that those who have done their time and been released on parole would be encouraged to become re-involved with society by having the right to vote. They are as fully citizens as the rest of us and have already been punished. There's no reason to punish them further by restricting their right to participate in our electoral democracy. Ruth West, 
of the Election Integrity Project California counters that allowing parolees to vote cheapens the value of the right to vote. We, the Orange County Register, disagree. With Prop 17, Californians have the opportunity to affirm the value of the right to vote. To be an adult citizen is to be endowed with a fundamental right to participate in your government. So says the Orange County Register. Um, I don't know that they agree with the ACLU very often, uh, but there you go. So Prop 17, again, if you believe that people who have uh, served their terms should be allowed to vote, you vote yes. And if you don't, uh, you vote no. So Prop number three, uh, which is Proposition 18 to allow 17-year-olds to vote in the primary. So uh, again, this is a really straightforward ballot measure. 18-year-olds who can vote in November would be allowed to vote in the primary election that selects the candidates for the general ballot. So if we use this election calendar as a guide, uh, if you're 18 years old by November 3rd and you can vote in that election, you would be allowed to vote in the March 3rd primary earlier this year. So basically, if you turn 18 sometime between March 4th and November 3rd, we'd let you vote as a 17-year-old in the primary election. So it's a few months worth of 17-year-olds that would get the chance to vote in the primary election. Um, if you support that, you vote yes. If you think people should wait until the day of their 18th birthday to be allowed to vote at all, uh, then you vote no. Uh, this is this is one of the propositions that I love the story behind. Um, this initiative is not new. It was actually placed, uh, proposed a few times before. It's um, what we call a legislatively referred constitutional amendment. So the legislature passed this in uh, the Assembly and the Senate for it to be on the ballot. Um, and Assemblyman Kevin Mullen proposed this, and he's proposed it before, and fact, it's a family tradition. His dad, Gene Mullen, was in the assembly and proposed it when he was there, and it never got on the ballot. Um, one of the reasons that uh, Assemblyman Gene Mullen proposed it is because in his previous career, he was a government teacher at South San Francisco High School for over 30 years before getting elected to the legislature. So he actually had those 17-year-olds in his classroom learning about primary elections and general elections and realized that a lot of those kids were excited about the elections and the campaigns, and they weren't allowed to vote until the general election. So he uh, proposed this, and it didn't go anywhere, but his son, taking up the family tradition, uh, proposed it, and this time it got enough votes, so it's on the ballot, and you, the voters, get to decide. Um, by the way, we wouldn't be the first or the only state that allows this. There are actually 18 other states that have this provision already. Ohio's been letting 17-year-olds vote in the primary, as long as they're 18 by the general election, since 1981. Um, a lot of other states joined in in the 90s and the 2000s, and uh, now California has this on the ballot. So we'll see what the voters think. Uh, the last proposition that we're going to cover today is Proposition 24, um, consumer personal information. So this is another proposition that's basically funded by one guy. Um, Alistair Mattaggart is a real estate developer and investor, and he has a passion for consumer privacy. So he worked with the legislature to get what's called the California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018. 
And that establishes most of what this initiative covers. Because remember when I said only uh, one initiative can change an initiative? So while laws passed by the legislature can be amended and changed often without a lot of attention, the Taggart says we need to make sure the voters approve this Prop 24 consumer personal information to make sure that what he worked on, the California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018, can't be undone by a future legislative session. So if the voters pass Prop 24, it can only be changed with another initiative. Now, again, that double-edged sword, if it's really great and wonderful, that's a good thing. And if it's not, which we'll get to in a second, there's a few people who think this is not great and wonderful, it would only be changed with another initiative. So let's talk a little bit about what this does. Um, so Prop 24 is known as the California Privacy Rights and Enforcement Act of 2020, which would expand or amend the provisions of the California Consumer Privacy Act of 2018 um, that created the California Privacy Protection Agency, removes the ability of businesses to fix violations before being penalized for the violations. So if there's, you know, a privacy breach and your information is uh, sold, uh, the, the company that uh, has that violation has to be penalized. So the ballot initiative would do a few things. It says that a company can't share consumers' personal information uh, without the consumer's request. It provides consumers with an opt-out option for having sensitive personal information used or disclosed for advertising or marketing. Uh, the companies would have to obtain permission before collecting data from consumers who are younger than 16. They would have to pr obtain permission from a parent or guardian before collecting data from consumers who are younger than 13. And they'd have to correct a consumer's inaccurate personal information about the consumers upon the consumer's re request. So this seems pretty straightforward. Uh, it's already the law. It doesn't do much more. Um, but then when you look at who's opposing this and why, it starts to become a little more complicated. Unfortunately, those folks aren't spending any money to get their message out. So um, it's unlikely that people will dig deep into this research, which again is why my advice is leave it blank or vote no if you don't actually research this stuff. Um, so the ACLU of California, California Alliance for Retired Americans, the ACLU of Northern California Council on Islamic American Relations is opposed to it. All these groups are opposed and when you start to read why, um, Richard Hobler says, uh, he's the president of the Consumer Federation of California, says no one reads the thousands of words of legal final print that you have to accept before you can use an app or visit a website. And the fine print is where you sacrifice your privacy. The same is true of Proposition 24. It's 52 pages are full of privacy reductions and giveaways to Facebook, social media platforms, and built big tech companies that would misuse our personal information. Um, Linda Sherry, the director of the National Priorities at Consumer Action, says besides sowing confusion among voters, the initiative would re could reduce privacy rights that California has gained under a recently enacted law. It appears that Prop 24 would allow businesses to create new pay-for-privacy schemes. Tech companies could downgrade service to those who cannot or will not pay an extra fee. 
This is unfair to low-income consumers, seniors, and people of color who are already struggling to afford essential high-speed internet connections while enduring a pandemic and massive unemployment. We fear Prop 24 would undermine existing California privacy regulations by making it more burdensome for consumers to prohibit big tech companies from selling their confidential data. Um, so this kind of goes on. Uh, Prop 24 allows the continued use of neighborhood scores and fails to address digital redlining, a practice whereby lenders use a person's race or the racial makeup of a neighborhood as a rationale for either refusing to lend to its residents or charging much higher interest rate. Historically, redlining stifled the ability of black families to get ahead by either denying them access to home ownership or charging them significantly higher finance fees. Um, that's Kime Morton, a former vice president of the Sacramento Metro Chamber, who is um, opposed to this. So these are um, really important to understand as criticisms of Prop 24. And those arguments against it might explain why big tech firms that would be affected by this aren't spending a ton of money. When you look at it on the face, you think like it's protecting consumer rights great that this one guy wants to do that, but we already have a law that does so, the Consumer Privacy Act of, 19, of 2018. If there are problems with that, it can be changed. Um, but Prop 24 seems to um, have some problems that these critics are pointing out, these opponents are pointing out. And so I think it's worth a little more research to see why um, the big tech firms aren't spending money against it. Um, those are the first four. A uh, lot to consider as we look at the next eight, uh, and a slice of orange will be here to help. 